Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So uh, this week, I found uh, an uh, insight on innovation from an absolutely unexpected source. At least I didn't expect it. And uh, the source was Henry Ford. Okay. Yeah, because probably most of our listeners are saying, hey, Ford, isn't he the standardization guy? Wasn't he trying to do everything exactly the same so that there wouldn't be any variation or new changes? But uh, I've found an article in which he was quoted uh, saying something very, very surprising. Uh, what he said in this article was, uh, hardly a week passes without some improvement being made somewhere in machine or process. He's talking about in the construction of Model Ts and so on. And sometimes this is made in defiance of what is called, quote, the best shop practice. Were you as surprised by this as I was, Jeffrey? I, I was. It was a very intriguing article. And, and it, in particular, it said that Ford was against people writing down the results of their experiments. <laughs> yeah, that's the other goofy thing. Is um, So this article, which we'll link to in the show notes, of course, talks all about how in, in current days we're reinventing various things that, that didn't work before. So uh, I remember getting web van deliveries in the 2000s, in, um, or actually 1990s in uh, uh, San Francisco. And now we're all getting deliveries from our various grocers like Okado and so on. And, and why did Webvan fail? And suddenly somebody had the idea, let's do exactly what Webvan did, but better. Right. <laughs> How did someone get that permission? Well, Ford was trying to do this. So he would tell his, he would say, do not record your failed experiment. If you have one that worked, go ahead and write down the new process and tell everybody to use it. But if you tried something and it didn't work, don't record it and don't have people learn from that so that that way they won't say, oh, well... Jeffrey tried it, so it can't work. So you know, right. we won't try yeah. doing it this way. And <laughs> lots of examples and so on of how Ford did this, and it was beneficial to him. And then how today in Silicon Valley and uh, London and so forth, we're trying some of the old things again. So I think the first surprise for me was this idea that that Ford was in, empowering people, <laughs> which, as you say, goes against our, our first uh, instinct and memory of what Ford is. But then second, the, the overall idea here that what just because something hasn't worked in the past won't mean it means it won't work in the future. And and what does that mean then for uh, us and ability to improve uh, within our uh, within our worlds, within the, 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 the work that we're doing? And it seems to me like very often uh, uh, people, you know, they, they might fail on both of these, um, which is, first of all, they don't feel empowered to go and try and tinker with their process. They, you know, they, don't, they, they don't have the status to, to be able to do that. Hey, we just um, had a Scrum training. I mean, it, it showed us exactly what to do for Scrum, and it's here on page 72, so I, I guess I better do what it says on page 72. Improving it wouldn't be a good idea, <laughs> and and that's right. And you so you end up with people. And I see this a lot of times where people will say like, "Yeah, you know," uh, uh, and they, their takeaway is that um, you know this thing doesn't work. You know, we've been we've been doing Scrum, we had the training, we're following it by the book, and you know it just doesn't work. You know, uh, maybe it works somewhere else, but it doesn't work here. And part of what's happening is is they they don't feel like they have any ability to to change it. They don't have. I came across this idea. Uh, which I, th I found of, uh, called a hero license. Ooh, wow. Uh, uh, can I get one of those? <laughs> well, yes, actually you can. <laughs> you can just go ahead and write it down yourself. You know, you, you have, have the ability to do it. The, the, I came across this in, in a writing um, from someone named Eliezer, and I can't pronounce his last name, but people might know him as the author of Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, oh, which yeah. is a fantastic Harry Potter fan fiction um, that was written to help introduce people to the, to the idea of, of rationality and what it's like to live uh, and to, to be thinking in a rational way. 
And uh, he had this article where he wrote a, a blog post uh, and he described a, a dialogue between different parts of himself. And um, the, he introduced this idea of a hero license. He goes, ah, what you're doing right now is you're, you're, you're demanding to see my hero license. Um, and basically the idea is I'm going to try to do something that you think is in excess of my current social standing. And you want me to show you my license, which just shows you that I already have enough status uh, to do it. <laughs> and, and I think that that idea of a hero license is a, is a powerful one because it, it's the kind of thing where, where people often don't feel empowered. And sometimes it's because the people in their environment aren't empowering them. They're, they're telling them, look, you, we don't want to hear your ideas because you don't have the license. You haven't been certified. You know, what, what do you know? You're Jeffrey, just doing I gotta the work. Say, I, I got to say that's much less common. So I don't see it very often that there's somebody saying actively, stop having innovative ideas, don't have, don't try something, don't tinker. I, I don't see that often. Maybe you do, but I don't. I, I think you're right. I think the far more common is that people have created that themselves. In fact, that they believe that other people don't want them to do it. Exactly. They've never tested this, uh, this assumption. That's they, right. They've never gone and tried to exercise their hero license. <laughs> so, so, so in fact, what, the place I hear this most often, I was just hearing it this week from yet another founder saying, well, I, I'm not a technical person, so I'm not quite sure what I should do. But man, I just haven't seen very much from my tech team recently. I, I wonder, um, you know, what, what, what could I uh, do to help them? Because uh, I'm, I'm not seeing any results. And I say, um, would you like my, and I actually have these printed, I actually have physical certificates. Would you like one of my certificates that gives you uh, official permission from Squirrel uh, uh, certified to ask questions of your technology team? Um, very few people actually take me up on this, but sometimes they take up the, the license to actually ask questions, which I always <laughs> find very, very helpful. And, and, and no one has, uh, almost in no case has someone said, uh, well, that was a useless question. You should stop asking us. They might give a very technical answer to a question or a question, an answer that's not very helpful, but that doesn't mean the question's not valid. And so that's why I printed the licenses so I could hand them out to people and give them the permission <laughs> to actually do it. It sounds like a, a hero license. That's right. And, it, and it's fascinating when once people, you know, believe they have a hero's license or believe they don't need one, however you look at it, when they believe that they're, if they see something that they, that they can say something, you know, I guess sort of like the, <laughs> like we're told in, in London, where you have that as a, as a security idea, you know, you're on the tube, it says, if you see something, say something, that's a great uh, uh, motto to bring into your teams. Because when people feel empowered to actually speak, they might speak on all kinds of things. Uh, one idea that saw a thing I saw this week was one of the developers um, saw a, a comment in um, feedback form from a client. And so was uh, uh, pinged the, the account manager and said, hey, you know, what should we do about this? You know, here's what this person said. And that led to a discussion between uh, the developer and the account manager and someone else where, you know, could easily have said, you know, that's that's not for me to talk about. That's a client-facing thing. I'm a developer. My job is the code. This is this is those clients out there. Those are those business people and salespeople. It's their job to talk about them. I'd better stay in my lane. Exactly. I'd better stay in my lane. I, I'm not. I'm not licensed to cover that. I haven't been certified to to go to go uh, think and talk about what our users are actually doing. <laughs> so I imagine some of our listeners are um, empathizing at this point because their organizations may have um, people who who tend to stay precisely in their lanes and and don't move out. What what would we say to to them? What what recommendation what might we make from from Mr. Ford and from uh, Eliezer and and others? What, what would we draw from this and say? What could we tell our listeners to try? 
Well, I think I, I think there's a, there's a the, the the most fundamental issue we're saying here is that um, that it's that is it's worth trying to improve. That see the things if you see something that it seems wrong, try to try to try to fix it. Try try to get better at it. And this could be this applies to both personally and in teamwork. And and the, you can look around and say, well, gosh, how come we're doing this? It's not just us. All these other teams, we, we're all. Uh, uh, having these problems. So clearly this idea I have, someone else must have tried it. Someone else must have thought of it, but, but that's not true. I, I, another article I want to share with people, something uh, for um, Dan Liu, this came up, uh, I saw it on Hacker News, and there was something that just jumped out at me off the page, uh, which is a line where he says, you know, well, but luckily for me, relatively few people seriously attempt to improve. <laughs> And and it was he was saying, luckily for him, in the sense that he felt himself to be not a naturally fast coder. He didn't feel like this is something he he came into it with a lot of strength. But because few other people attempted to improve, he was able to become fast relative to other people because he actually put work into it. And 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 I think that it's true that few people attempt to improve either themselves or the system the system that they're part of. And I think a lot of it because they. They, they they don't see themselves as empowered to do so. So that's the first thing that occurred to me. I wonder if what, if, if something else occurs to you. Well, I'd just build on that. And what I might suggest is that if you're in a position of any kind of leadership, and here I don't mean in, in org chart terms, I don't mean that you have a business card that says you, you have your hero license to tell the rest of the team what to do. I mean that you have some influence that um, either socially or uh, from the org chart or something else. I think there's a great opportunity for you to establish a cultural norm, and that's coming back to the, the Ford example, exactly what Ford was doing from his position at the top of the org chart. But you could do this partway down, you could do this at the bottom of the org chart. If you establish the principle that everyone has a hero license, that everyone should be uh, looking for improvements, and including trying the same experiment again that failed last week. <laughs> I, I think if That's we right. had more people trying that, I, I think we'd uh, advance faster, which is what Lou is talking about, right? So when Dan Lou says... It's lucky for me others aren't improving. That's because he's trying a lot of failed experiments to try to help himself be more productive. And the same thing could apply to uh, your team that you're working with uh, in software or elsewhere. Uh, what experiment did you try this week that uh, mimics one you tried last month? And how are you varying it and learning more from uh, attempting the failure again? And maybe I want to expand and bring in one more aspect of it, which is that which is that things change. And that that was actually the message of the Henry Ford article that you shared, which is um, exactly the things that haven't worked in the past doesn't mean that they won't work in the future. And there is, I think, you you, you made this point about leadership, and I think that we want to make I want to make sure that this, this applies to me as well, and um, that it, it can be very tempting to to embrace the role of being the expert. Um, of saying, you know, I'm someone who I've been doing this for many years. You know, I have the gray beard. I have the stories from the nineties. Um, I've read a lot of these books. I've met a lot of these people. I've talked to the conferences. I remember then, hiring you specifically because you had a gray beard. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Probably my, the, 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 uh, my most durable asset, <laughs> but the, but the, it's very, um, uh, tempting to stay in that role of the expert and, Remember, if our goal here is improvement, our goal is to be uh, the world is changing around us and we're looking to also change the world. 
um, I, I happened to this morning see a, a, something on Twitter from Chris Matz, someone that we've we've quoted in the past, someone that you know we knew from uh, back the uh, London uh, XTC Extreme Tuesday Club, and and he said uh, this quote, which says, you know, there are no experts in the complex world, only practitioners. Experts exist in the complicated domain. I once attended a session where an expert presented three exemplars. By the end of the session, two more had been identified. How can you claim to be an expert in a developing field? And and it's that last part. You know, our goal, if we're pushing things ahead, is to be always improving. It, we we want our field to always be developing, and so we want to be in a place where we can be skeptical of our own expertise, be open to those things that that we you know we. Um, that we don't know for sure. And even, even though we, we may be certain, and I think there's a, you know, one of those quotes attributed to Will Rogers that probably he didn't say, but, um, you know, it's, it's something like, it's not the things we don't know that get us in trouble. It's the things that we know that just ain't so. <laughs> so a, a bit of um, openness uh, among the experts and a, a willingness to reconsider things, I think is a, is a, is this something um, healthy to bring forward? I know for, for me and in, in, in our relationship, I consider myself to be quite good at communication. You know, when I came to work with you in London, we, you know, I, I had done many uh, uh, talks in the field. I had, had spent many years giving webinars and whatnot and um, thought I could be, you know, quite good, quite persuasive. It's something I had studied. And um, uh, fortunately, I was able to be open-minded when uh, you introduced me to Benjamin Mitchell and he pointed out that you know, I seem to be missing something. I was, you know, he's, he's, he's put it, you're, you're, you're quite good at advocacy, but I'm not hearing a lot of inquiry. <laughs> and, and that, that idea that there was something missing in an area that I thought I was quite strong is what led to us, you know, creating this podcast and creating uh, our book together. So, um, that's, fantastic. That, that's an element I wanted to bring in here, which is for those, for those experts who feel like I've already done the work, I've, I've, I've been innovating, I've learned all these things. Um, to, to remain open, even in the in the face of your your experience. Well, hey, I've helped over 150 technology teams transform themselves in this week at least twice, and I probably could think of more examples. Uh, I, somebody asked me a question I had no clue how to answer, and I had to think very hard about how to answer it, and I don't think I did it perfectly. So uh, there's plenty of room for uh, improvement and learning, especially in a fast-changing field like we're in. Luckily, you had your hero license, which allowed you exactly. to make the effort. <laughs> Worked out fantastic. So if listeners would like to get a hero license, uh, we're happy to grant one to them. If listeners think hero licenses aren't useful, or if you think that uh, you, you really are an expert and you, you've developed the right answers, we'd love to hear from you whether you agree or disagree. And you can find us, of course, at agileconversations.com. And when you go there, you'll find videos and uh, uh, writing from us and blog posts and all kinds of fun things. And in, in also our email addresses and Twitter and uh, um, whatever else we have these days for, for getting in touch. And, of course, you can also come back next week when we'll have found more exciting things to talk about on Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Squirrel.